Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I have a Firebird Book Award winning author to share with you. She is Mary Lou Wells, and her winning book is titled Spear of Destiny, Finding Bucephalus. Mary Lou Wells, she's an award-winning author of poetry, nonfiction, and semi-fiction dark fantasy epic series. As I mentioned, she won the Firebird Book Award in the series category for the second installment of the Annals of Aeternum series with Spear of Destiny, Finding Bucephalus. The sequel to the book titled Spear of Chaos, Legend of the Undead, her debut novel. Mary Lou's first nonfiction book, The Illustrated Guide to the Morab Horse, has won acclaim in the horse industry for her thorough research into Arabian, Morab, and Morgan horses. Readers claim that it is the most important book of historical significance to Morgan horses since Jay Battelle founded the Morgan Horse Register in the early years of American independence. She is a former horse breeder, graphic artist, and manager at a medical transcription company. She was the senior editor of the Morab Horse magazine for a year and has also written for the Caney Creek Sampler and the Horse magazine. She lives in Tennessee with three kids, their dog, and writing buddy Twilight. She spends time with her soulmate, best friend, and biggest fan who loves to contribute ideas to her stories. And I'm just looking forward to this conversation today. So welcome to the network, Mary Lou. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. <laughs> I'm happy you're excited. I was looking forward to this as well. And you have a writing buddy? I do. My dog likes to sit by my chair while I'm writing and keep me company. Isn't that so nice? It's like you got a little foot warmer with you while you're writing. That's right. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations on the book win. That was exciting. Thank you so much. Yes, it was very unexpected and, and very surprising and very welcome. Um, that's my first book award that I've won. And um, I just recently started my writing journey and building this series. And it's it's been quite a journey. And it's been a, very much of a learning experience for me as well as I go through this process. How did you get to writing a book such as Finding Bucephalus, where we look at magic and spirituality and religion and history, and as you say, bendable reality? How did you get there? Well, on my first book, that was kind of by accident. Um, I decided to write the Morad book because I was looking for a book that I wanted to read, and I couldn't find one, so I decided I would be the one to write it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's how the Morab book came about. Uh, I was a breeder, and there was a little bit of friction in the horse industry among the Morab breeders at the time. And I thought, well, you know, we need literature. We need supporting ideas. We need supporting information for the business, the breeders. And I realized, well, this book isn't out there, so I started doing the research. It took me five years to research all of the information, to contact all of the breeders and the experts across the country, and compile that information into a book. And what I found was there's a, there's a lot of information out there that is actually wrong. So... When I was approaching the genealogical societies, the museums, the, the, I mean, the old-timers, the, the horse breeders from years and years and years ago, I approached them, and I found 
a lot of people don't have the right ideas. They don't understand where the Morgan horse came from. So I was able to put all that information into the book, and then people are looking at it and telling me, wow, I didn't know all of this. We've had it wrong the whole time. So that, that really made me feel good. So that was my nonfiction book. And I went from that to writing the book series because really what I wanted to do was sort of take a trip, take a journey um, through my own spiritual development and through my own through my own years of learning to understand myself, putting my more of my traumatic memories, my traumatic past, and just sort of processing it through my writing. And the first book came out really well, and then I thought, well, you know, this is this will just be a standalone. I won't write anymore. And then it just sort of happened, and. It was it was kind of a process for me to to sort of process everything that was going on and start writing about it. And as a very spiritual person, I've had a lot of contact with the different religions, a very diverse community here in the East Tennessee area. Um, I know a lot of pagans. I know a lot of Christians. Um, the Native American lore came in. And I wanted to show how a very diverse group of people who have very different ideas about the world can work together to really solve the world's problems. And that made its way into Spear of Destiny, Finding Bucephalus, um, because I pulled in some past life memories and I pulled in some of my experiences in, in the alternative religious community and was able to to come up with a very interesting approach to spirituality and religion within the book. Mm-hmm. It's always so fascinating to, to me to find out how people get from not writing a book to completing a book and what the process is. And so much of it usually does entail a personal journey, such as you, you explained right now. So I al- almost imagine that this was somewhat a learning experience or cathartic for you to write? It was very definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I decided to put it together in, in a very different manner than what most books or most series are done. It, Although the book series is about me, um, it's also about a lot of other people and a lot of other different ideas. And I put this together... Um, I, I, I sat down and I asked myself, okay, so when I start writing these books, do I want to write in first person? Do I want to write it in third person? How do I want to approach this? And I decided, well, you know, I could tell the story in first person. I could tell, you know, tell all of the stuff that happened to me. But I decided instead to approach it in third person voice because I thought, you know, I can tell a bigger story. I want to be able to get into the heads of my characters. I want to be able to kind of have an omnipotent approach. What's going on? How do they feel? What are they going to do when they get into these really very bad sticky situations? So I'm writing about myself in the third person Mm -hmm. in the book. And 
each book, there, there's going to be five books in the series, and Fear of Destiny, Finding Eusephilus is book two. And I really start kicking off the series in the second book, because what I also wanted to do was I wanted to tell the story in context of history. This is very, very much a historical book series. Um, it's historical fantasy. It's a historical fiction. But I did, I mean, very, very, very intensive research to make sure that I had all the facts straight because I know that my readers are going to be sitting there checking up on me. <laughs> when, you, when you're looking at any historical book, you're going to have people who know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wanted to talk to those readers as well as the readers who don't know that much about those histories. So in my first book, I start off with the Vikings, the last Viking invasion into England. Because I wanted to tell that story and, and to bring that character because there's plenty of evidence that the Vikings came to the New World and that they had run into the Native Americans. So the, the first book, Spear of Chaos, is about, it, it kicks off with the Vikings and then the second book, I go further back in history, and I'm talking about Alexander the Great. Now, Bucephalus was Alexander the Great's horse, his war horse. And there was an incident in history where his horse got stolen. And I looked at that, and there was just a little bitty tiny blurb in one of the histories that talked about that. And I was like, you know what? That would be a fantastic story to tell because most people don't know about this area or this time period. And the interesting thing about this is that I talked to a gentleman. He's a journalist. He's an evangelist, a Christian evangelist from Pakistan. And he contacted me about possibly taking my book and translating it into Urdu to go across several countries across the Middle East. And I was like, I told him, I said, well, I think you should probably read it cover to cover before you commit to this. And he came back to me after reading it, and he told me, he told me that the people in his country need the book. And I was like, okay, so what do you find so interesting about the book that you're saying that your countrymen need to read this, he said, because it's our history. And he said that we don't have writers, we don't have musicians, we don't have the creators, the creators are in the United States. You know, we, we need the material. You know, this is going to be fantastic for believers in the Middle East because there's so many Christian themes within the book. And he said that would serve our community. So I am working on an agreement with him to get the book translated. That's exciting, especially unplanned, too. Yeah, it was very unplanned. I, I, I was floored. Quite frankly, I was floored. And, and very, oh, gee, I just didn't know what to say about that because it, it was so unexpected. Well, you have to keep us posted on that. So we're we're going to we're going to be signing a contract, and that contract is for his translation services. 
So I will have control of the manuscript when that's done, but it will be able to be distributed here in the United States and in like Pakistan, India, Iran, Egypt, where Afghanistan, wherever Urdu speakers mm-hmm. and readers <laughs> would be looking for books in their language. Interesting. Wow, yeah. yeah. Keep us yeah. keep us posted on that. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. I definitely will. You know, it's funny. I was reading a line that you wrote somewhere. It says, the book asks the readers to suspend disbelief uh, and expand yeah. their imagination. It, that sounds like what you need to do right now with this situation. It's kind <laughs> of... Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, that applies to the book because I each of the books in the series <clears throat> has a different mix of historical reality, true events, real conversations, real people mixed with characters and fantastical creatures. And I I wanted to make, to tell the story, but I wanted to make it fun for the reader. Mm -hmm. So so there's very definitely a a mixture of fantasy versus reality in the book. And I'm asking the reader to to kind of suspend what they think that they know about, about the universe Mm -hmm. and just sit down and really enjoy the story for what it is. But you also say it examines some tough choices and consequences, such as? Yes, it does. Um, Some of the characters in the book are paranormal, evil creatures that, you know, the things that go bump in the night. And a lot of people don't want to believe in these creatures, but they go in the book, within this book, I'm showing them that if you don't fear, you know, if you have a self-possession to yourself, if you believe in God, if you have that faith, there's nothing you can't defeat. They'll just have to read the book to find out, won't they? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk a bit about your characters and how you develop them or how they develop you. Let's just talk about how that process works for you. Where do they come from? Well, some of the, as I said, some of the characters are real people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when and where there are real people within the story. Um, I have requested, hey, can I use your name? You know that this is going to be, some of this stuff is going to be invented. So I have a couple of really good sports that said, yeah, you can use my name. And I just give them the manuscript after it's done and get there okay, you know. Um, and those are, those people are, in some cases, sitting there going, okay, wow, that freaks me out. I remember that conversation. I remember that happening. Um, and then there are some characters who are supporting characters. And they're helping to tell a story and kind of weave a tapestry of imagery and of words and thoughts and feelings. And I developed these characters to feel like real people. You know, the the strengths in my books um, is the character development, and it is the plot and the way that the story flows. Well, speaking of plot, then, do you write it all out ahead of time so you know where you're going, so you know when you reach the end of the book, or do you meander around with the characters and kind of along for the ride? 
<laughs> well, that's kind of a that's kind of a good question. Um, I've seen different authors talk about this. You know, are you a panster or do you plan things out? I do both. Mm-hmm. So what I usually do is I usually write the last chapter first, and then I also write the prologue next, and then I connect the dots. The reason that I do it that way is I like to know where I'm going, but I don't want to feel stuck. Like I can't go wherever my creative inspiration takes me while I'm doing the writing of it. You're not the first person that told me that they write the ending first, and I just find that fascinating. The reason that I do that is I like to know where I'm going to be going with it. Because I found that if I sit down and if I just start to write, I I end up writing myself into a corner, and I don't know where to go with it. So if I write where I'm going, and then I write my plan to start, then I've kind of got sort of a an end destination mm-hmm. in mind when, I, when I'm when i writing the book, when I start out. Well, it makes perfect sense. It's not like you jump in your car and start driving around. You usually know where you're going, um, and maybe you make stops along the way. So it makes perfect sense. Because I, I also agree with you. How do you know when the book has ended? You And then you paint yourself, like you say, into a corner, and then what? You might have to get rid of and, and kind of scrap all of the things you wrote previously just to get yourself out of the corner. That's right. Yep. That's right. And when I write an outline, sometimes I'll write, like, my chapter chapter headings to, to sort of kind of give me a little guide. And at one point in Spirit of Destiny, I, I did kind of write myself into that corner because it was up until the last minute I didn't know what to do with Chapter 10. And I kept racking my brain, what am I going to do with this chapter? I don't know where, you know, I know where I've started. I know where I'm going, but I don't know what to do with this chapter. And then when I finally got there, I sat down and I was like, I got it. I know where this needs to go. And I sat down and I wrote that in two hours. <laughs> I mean, it just it just sort of came out of me. And when I look through the book now, I'm like, you know what? That's one of my favorites. <laughs> the, the scene at the end of Chapter 10 is one of my favorite scenes in the book um, because I've got, I've got an African-American police officer. She's a fabulous lady. Her name's Diane. And my friend Brian, who is one of the real characters, right, real people. And they're standing there in the Room County Jail, and they're faced with a demon who's in the jail. And he's encountered this creature several times. And she's sitting here going, okay, I want my spear. Give me my spear. And he's standing there looking at this creature going, all right, we got a date to dance. And this thing jumps on him and he's just like, okay, yep, that's it. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, this is a perfect ending to that chapter. And it pulls you from there into the next part of the book, because the premise of Spear of Destiny, okay, so what the Spear of Destiny actually is, is this is the Roman spear, um, which was used to pierce the side of Christ during the crucifixion. It has an actual name. And I'm bringing an artifact from book one, Spear of Chaos, and the, it's a quest line. We have to destroy this thing. Because if we don't destroy it, 
it has the ability to start the final the final war, you know, the end all wars that kills mankind and gods and everything. So we've got to destroy this thing. Nothing that we found destroys it. And so we have to go find the Spear of Destiny. So the demon takes off with the spear. So we have to go run it off after the Spear of Destiny and lots of other fun ensues over that. I don't want to give away too much of the plot because it's a fantastic book. It's a fantastic read. <laughs> no, I have, I... I have a hard time. Ed- I really have a hard time editing because I get pulled into my own story. Mm-hmm. And then I forget I'm supposed to be editing and I find myself just sitting there reading it. <laughs> my daughter is, my oldest daughter is my editor. Uh, she does, she edits a lot of fan fiction. She edit. She has edited, kind of sat with me through this journey and, and helped me edit and we we have gone through it, I think, a thousand times, <laughs> making sure that we've caught all the errors and making sure the grammar is great and everything. And, you know, we realized that as an indie author that my work has to be absolutely freaking top-notch because there are so many people who say, oh, I'm not going to read an indie author because their work is no good. <laughs> it's riddled with grammatical errors and punctuation errors. So, I mean, we have we have crossed our teeth, dotted our eyes, and made sure everything was just absolutely perfect before we put this thing out. You know, I'm hoping that at this point in time, people aren't feeling that way about indie authors anymore. I can see back in the day when it was just a emerging uh, phenomenon, if you want to call it that. I don't look at it that way anymore. I'm actually attracted more so to an indie author because I just feel the authenticity is there. They're not right. ans- they're not answering mm-hmm. to somebody else. It's not edited beyond recognition and it's true. You know, it's truth. That's that's awesome. And it's nice to hear somebody say that because I see a lot of different things online going back and forth between the traditionally published and the indie authors that I will say, I will address that on my account. I didn't write to a genre. It falls within several genres because what I wanted to do was tell a story instead of write to somebody else's formula. Right. And so that that's really reflected. So when I have to go online and say, well... You know, they're like, okay, what's your book about or what genre is it? It's like, well, it's kind of everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's historical fiction. It's a dark fantasy. It's, you know, it's got very spiritual themes. Um, it, it covers a lot of different things, probably seven or eight different genres. Right. And that's why we give a lot of choices at the Firebird Book Awards. All righty. Well, let's talk about your cover for a moment. Where and how does that okay. did that come about? Well, I have graphic design experience of my own. I could have done my own cover, but I didn't. And the reason was is that my I realized that my computer's getting too old, so it won't run the software. Hmm. So I I went to Fiverr and I found a really nice gentleman that I I thought that, you know, I looked at this kid's his, his covers and I thought, I kinda like his work. <laughs> I told him I said, you know, I need a couple of covers for a couple of books and if I like your stuff I'll use you for the rest of the series. And uh, his, he's from, actually, another guy from Pakistan did my cover. Mm-hmm. Wherever you find somebody, it doesn't really matter where, as long as they can right. fulfill your your conception of the cover. All righty, well, 
we know what's next. You're still working on the next book, and you say there's going to be. Yes, fa- I'm, there's going to be fa- I'm working on book three. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished the revisions on book one, so we decided that we were going to put it back out again. And the next book is going to be titled Daughter of Death, Exodus to Egypt. And on this book, it starts out with the pre-Egypt history, and it's the history of Kebeshet, because Kebeshet figures heavily in book two. And uh, so we're going to be telling her story, and then in book four, Book four is going to be called The Blessing Bowl, A Promise, mm-hmm. and that is going to be during the pyramid-building age of Egypt. And the final book is going to be Gate to the Abyss, and that book is where everything just breaks open, and angels and demons and humans all trying to figure it out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We, we have a lot to look forward to. Oh, yeah. It's, we, we're not even close to running out of content yet. <laughs> so we're having a good time writing these books. I don't think you're going to run out of ideas, my friend. I don't sense that about you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not at all. Well, is there anything that we missed today that you would like to highlight? The, the general focus of the book series, I think, is just the narrating the journey to God through the lens of fiction. Um, we covered pretty much everything else, I think. Okay. All righty. Well, then how about if you share your contact information where folks can find out more about you, where they can purchase your books? Okay. Uh, there's a couple ways right now. Um, and I am going to be putting it out onto Amazon and probably Barnes & Noble. But right now it is available on Lulu. Most books are live on Lulu. You can go to lulu.com and just type my name, Mary Lou Wells, into the search bar. And my little bookstore page will come up with all of the books there. I'm also in the process of getting a website set up, and that will be www.marylouwells.com. Alrighty, so we've got a couple other sites to look forward to, but meantime, head over to Lulu and type in your name, Mary Lou Wells, and you'll find you. That's awesome. Right. Currently, they are in paperback, but I'm going to put them up on um, ebook and also hardcover very soon, just within the next several days. All right, you're a busy person. (laughs) all right we're speaking with mary lou wells and the book is titled spear of destiny finding bucephalus and i am looking forward to your next book and be sure to send it over to us so we could hopefully have another conversation so thank you for today right thank you for today (laughs) thank you thank you so much pat i appreciate it very much